0: Hello, and a very warm welcome to Pipe Up, the organ podcast. My name is Ben Saunders, and I'm Director of Music for the Diocese of Leeds. I'll be standing in today for my colleague David Pipe, who's taking a little break this week. We have something really special for you, as I'm joined by a very distinguished guest from the Royal Academy of Music. Over the next half hour, he'll be speaking to us about his instrument, and we'll also be looking forward to the recital that one of his students is giving to us on Monday at 1.15pm as part of our Leeds International Organ Festival. People sometimes say that organists are a particularly conservative breed of musician and occupy a narrow cul-de-sac in classical music, a kind of niche within a niche. Now, speaking as an organist myself, I don't really like that and I don't think it's a fair description of us at all. And it's something we're trying to challenge in these podcasts and also in our teaching of children in the Diocese of Leeds Organist Training Programme. So to all you organists and lovers of organ music, if I were to tell you now that I've discovered a completely portable organ that you can carry in a rucksack, which has far greater expressive abilities than a traditional pipe organ, and you can also control the wind supply yourself and be able to play almost any sort of music on, you might just think I'd spent a bit too long in lockdown. Well, in fact, such an instrument does exist, and here to tell us all about it is Professor Owen Murray from the Royal Academy of Music. Owen, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for asking. So. First of all, how is the lockdown going for you and where are you speaking to us from today?
1: I'm about 30 minutes drive from the centre of Copenhagen, wonderful Copenhagen in Denmark. Practicing, teaching online, reading, enjoying being a little more with my wife than normally I have the opportunity to do. And she's not fed up with me yet, so I'm very happy for that.
0: <laughs> oh, OK. So I guess from what you're saying, you're normally a, a long-distance commuter for your teaching at the Royal oh, Academy. I
1: to London every week, yeah.
0: And can you tell us about this portable organ? Um, what What is it and how does it work? Well,
1: the, I think was it was Stravinsky that said that he didn't write for the organ because it didn't breathe. And... Uh, Gubadulina, who has written many works for accordion, says she loves this little monster because it breathes. It's basically a keyboard and wind instrument. It's a combination of both. Uh, It's a free reed instrument, uh, sounds created by air generated by the bellows passing through reeds and it was patented in 1829. But the principle goes right back to the Chinese sheng, 1100 BC, a reed fixed onto a bamboo pipe. Um, and of course, as sound is produced by the bellows, bellows control is, is obviously very, very important.
0: So we're talking about an accordion here. Now, I think in many people's minds in England, they would associate the accordion with pubs, Real ale and Morris dancing, and I I do know some people are less than generous about the instrument. I'm guessing this is not the sort of music you're teaching at the Royal Academy of Music. Could you tell us a bit about the specific sort of accordion you teach and how it might be different to the traditional accordion that people have in their minds?
1: Yes, if I could just jump back a little bit to your comment about less than generous. Uh, In 1973, I wanted to study at conservatory level, and there were no opportunities in in the United Kingdom. So I um, was living in Edinburgh, and I applied to join the music course at a local college. Um, And the interview went well, and they said, uh, yes, we're welcome to have you in the class. And then came the question, what do you play? And I said, I play the accordion. And then the atmosphere changed in the room. And (laughs) I, I was told, You can join the class, but never bring it with you. It's not never bring your accordion with you. Don't bring it with you. So I joined the the class, and uh, after a few weeks, uh, a man from the Education Authority came around, and he he was speaking with with everyone in the class uh, at some length. And when he came to me, he said, what do you play? And again, I said, I play the accordion, sir. And he just totally ignored me and walked on to the next person. At that point, I, I felt, I felt a humiliation. I felt discrimination. I felt anger. I felt a whole lot of emotions. And after the class, I said to the head of music, I'm going to make sure no one will ever suffer such humiliation again. I'm going to go abroad. I'm going to come back, and I will change things. And I remember he, he held out his hand, and he said, he shook my hand, he said, I think you're mad, but good luck. And I'm very happy today that they actually teach the accordion there.
0: So you had to make a very long journey to, um, I suppose, you know, become the virtuoso you are today on your instrument. I got in the Royal Academy, I had enough
1: money, it was a six-year course, I had enough money to last five months and I couldn't speak Danish. So how did, how did you survive I survived I, I various ways. Uh, I, I, I got a little money from from some foundations, but not enough. Uh, my mother was living in in, in Edinburgh and working and she, as a teacher, and uh, she sent some money now and then. And uh, I did working. I was teaching in the night school. I was playing folk dance music. I was doing whatever to earn money. But uh, I was there for 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 six years um with morgan's elegard, the great legendary accordionist Morgan's oh, and and that was a privilege and i made it through and then i had the i had the choice to make if i stayed there and uh, morgan said to me stay here don't be crazy don't go back to don't this this but i i, I kept hearing this voice and i and my promise i would change things and uh Uh, I I came back and it was rough. It was years of sleeping on couches, couch surfing. It was really, really sleeping on floors. It was really rough. And then the breakthrough came in 86 when I started at the Royal Academy of Music. But uh, that was a rough time, these four years after coming back from, from Denmark and trying to break this this resistance to the instrument so this instrument i play and we play in the royal academy is called a free bass accordion it's a classical accordion uh, and it has a, a keyboard of single notes uh, through several octaves the standard bass accordion has has really a lot of limitations this is the instrument that that we know i think people know in in england it has prefixed chords So these chords are fixed into the instrument, major, minor, seventh, diminished. It has two rows of single notes, but the pitch range of the single notes is only a major seventh. So it can have some instruments pitch range E to D sharp or C to B or F to E. There's no standardization. So if you play a scale of C major, it's always going to come back to the ground tone. So you can't can't pitch, you can't play one octave on it. This instrument has obvious limitations.
0: Can I just interrupt there and say... What we're talking about is, I suppose, a traditional accordion people would think about in the UK, and you, yes. and, you, and I understand that it has limitations. Yes. Given that, why has it been the popular instrument in this country
1: for dance music and folk music? It's arranged in fifths, so you have if you have C, the, the 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 button above is G, and the one below is F. So you have a tonic, sub subdominant, and dominant. So you can play an accompaniment very easily on this instrument and a melody in the right hand. Uh, and actually, when Damien, who who uh, invented this instrument, uh, which 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 he patented in 1829, it was basically a handheld bellows-operated reed organ. Um, but what distinguished it from Wheatstone's concertina, for example, was this group of reeds pressing one button. And uh, he he gave it this uh, one it, it, an accord is is a cordo in Italian. Plural is D, and put O N on the end of it and got this name accordion. But these fixed chords were one of the key factors that condemned the instrument to over a century of in the musical wilderness and, and shunned by the, the world of serious music. And that's when the classical accordion changed all of that. And that really goes back to uh, the early 1950s when the free bass keyboard arrived, freeing the instrument from this triangle hold of prefixed chords. Now so, we call
0: it, So actually the classical order, uh, chord you're saying was really invented in the fifties. So it's actually an incredibly modern instrument. It's a very modern instrument, it's a very, but actually um,
1: I think what could be interesting is that if you turn the clock back 300 years, we can find attempts to produce a sustaining keyboard instrument of manageable proportions with expressive capability under direct control of the performer. And that's a classical accordion. And we can see some we can see some examples. C.P.E. Bach wrote for an instrument called the bogen clavier, a bode piano. That was a, an attempt to be able to sustain a sound. He wrote a sonata for it in, in 1783, sonata in G major. Then there's a harmonic chord by Karl-Marie von Weber. He wrote for it. Uh, that was 1810, and then there's a glass harmonica by Franco. That, all of these instruments, it was an attempt to intru- introduce sostenenti into keyboard devices.
0: So you, you've talked about um, some composers there whereby the, the music um, almost prefigured the invention of the ideal instrument. Yes. And I mean, as a as a complete amateur, what what sort of music can the classical accordion play, and what sort of repertoire works the best? What's important and very
1: and something that Ellegard worked very hard to do. He saw in in the fifties that this instrument needs an identity. It needs to have its own identity that will only come through. A quality original repertoire. That's why he worked with Van Holmbo, Per Nurgaard, Niels Vigo Benson, Leif Kaiser, who incidentally was an organist, Arnie Nordheim, and many other people. So it has the, core, the beginnings of a core repertoire, Mark like this Lindbergh, Guba Dolina, of course. But we also play very, very effectively transcriptions from the Baroque period to, to the present day. And this is, is a, it's a fully polyphonic instrument. And we we had, I think, uh, one transcription that worked especially well, and you will know, of course, is the Frank Pastoral, organ pastoral. And I think this is an example of what works really well on the classical accordion. Uh, We had uh, in in the academy uh, a project with, with the organist, where an organist would play this piece, and then the accordion student would play. The organist all said, this is much better on the accordion, because you can shape the phrases this instrument breathes, as Guba Duvina said. And that's very, very effective. I think uh, w- today we play Baroque Bach suites, uh, anything from Anne Magdalena Bach's notebook, Invention, Symphonia, uh, 48 Prelude and Fugues, uh, all of this repertoire. Sc- Scarlatti works fantastic well on it. This is all, and we do play all of this repertoire at the Academy very effectively and balance it with
0: original repertoire. Fantastic. Um, And I've been, over this lockdown, been listening to an awful lot of repertoire that I know as an organist, a pianist, and someone that plays the harpsichord, and just how some of this repertoire really comes to life and breathes in a way that it never would, actually playing it on an instrument with endless breath, which of course is what we're talking about with um, a classical pipe organ. So we talked a bit about some of the repertoire. Now, with organists, we are slightly addicted to transcribing music written for other instruments and there's a sort of debate as to when something is a transcription and when it's an arrangement. I would say you know an arrangement is when we'd be playing an orchestral piece on the organ and we're actually having to change the notes to make it fit the instrument. Do you have to change a lot of the notes in order to play something like bark on the accordion? We don't change anything. Wow. We don't change anything.
1: Um, we, we, the only transcription is that we play an organ work on an accordion, but we don't change anything. And, you know, on, on an accordion, you can play on, with button keyboard. You can stretch very easily uh, just over two octaves. So large chord structures is easy. You can play two parts in one hand, sometimes three. Uh, and then and, and you have the left hand then. So you, you can play all of this without any change to the repertoire whatsoever. But my view on transcriptions is that you have to bring something to the music with the instrument you play and i remember being in italy once teaching in, a, in a, an academy and behind me was the the organ i was in the concert hall and every student uh, was playing organ repertoire so one student played the big bach uh, prelude and fugue in a minor so i said what do you feel you can bring to the music with with this instrument with your accordion that we copied the organ so, okay but uh, why should I w- not listen to this on accordion? Why? What do you feel th- you bring to it? No, we just copy the organ. And this is this, this is not the way to play. And then I, I said, uh, look, you have two paintings on the wall. One is an original the other is, uh, is, is, a, is a copy. The copy is so good that with the naked eye, you can maybe not see the difference at a distance. What is the difference? Uh, I don't know. One is priceless and the other is worthless. It's worthless because it's a copy. So don't copy. Pastor Raoul uh, Frank is a fantastic example of what the accordion can come to this music with, Mm. this shaping of phrases. It's it's ridiculous to try to play Bach's A minor, big A minor, prelude and fugue. It's just totally ridiculous. I I wouldn't even try. The suites, Bach, French suites, English suites, partitas, wonderful. The dance movements uh, on this instrument, on accordion, just it seems to come to it very naturally. So you feel you bring something to the music. A pianist can transcribe almost anything and get away with it, and a accordionist cannot, because the instrument doesn't
0: have this very, very strong identity. And that identity is is a very important thing, I guess, for um, such a new instrument. Yes. So you you mentioned your teacher was very keen to um, sort of prescribe, you know, what sort of instrument this is, what sort of repertoire it does well, um, where its strengths are and things. You also mentioned two sorts of accordions there. You mentioned a button accordion and a piano accordion. Now, could you tell us what the difference between those things is, please? Bigger
1: pitch range. The the piano accordion basically has 41 keys. Sometimes they're extending it to 45. Now they're ext- trying to extend it and have succeeded in extending the keyboard to... to uh, 47 notes but the concert the classical accordion button key has 64 playing notes from contra e up seven octaves and the ability to play large intervals over well well over an octave so composers today are writing for button accordion and that's uh, piano accordions are running into trouble because they, they they can't get pitched they can't achieve the pitch and and often technical things they're unable to do so 99 percent of people studying at academy level uh, and want a soloist career are playing the button instrument and it's the same keyboard on both sides you have in the left hand the free bass the classical keyboard and the right hand it's the same keyboard you're playing in both hands
0: i'm with you so if someone like me is a pianist and an organist and i'm interested in the accordion should i go for a piano accordion or should i explore the button accordion no, uh, of course, I, in the academy I have, have had students with with
1: piano accordion. In fact, some very successful students who have successful careers with piano accordion. But uh, the majority of people play buttons, and I think it's it's when you see the the direction of the composers now today writing for button accordion, it, it's much much better to play the button instrument. There's no question; it's it's, it's superior, absolutely, in in every way. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Could could we turn next to thinking about how the accordion works with other instruments, uh, or indeed other accordions? Now, for example, where I live, um, I'm in Settle, there's a wonderful Craven Accordion Orchestra run by um, Harry Hinchcliffe and his son Danny, and they actually have sold out, completely sold out concerts, playing a, comp- a whole range of music from light classics and arrangements, from musicals and Uh, pop music so their demographic is really broad Um, do accordions work well with other accordions? My direction has always been to integrate the accordion with other instruments. And what sort of instruments might you integrate the accordion with then? Because it seems rather different to you know what we think of as an orchestral
1: instrument. If cellists want to discover all the possibilities of the cello, play with an accordion and not piano. No, sorry. Who said that, Rostropovich?
0: How interesting.
1: He played uh, some concerts with an accordionist in Russia and went a to tour. And he said that this is how you can discover all the possibilities of the cello. Play with this instrument. This wonderful. Nuances you can achieve in in bowing and bellowing, and cellists at the academy. Cellists love working with accordion because they can discover start how to start a sound very, very, very softly, how to make a little crescendo through the sound, and to round it off at the end. They can do. They can't do that with piano. They can do it with accordion, and and they're they're finding nuances that they find really exciting playing with accordion repeated notes when the chalice is changing the bow, and the accordionist can change the bellows and achieve the same sound exactly. So Rostropovich is, is absolutely right. I, I agree with him. And then with strings, of course, it's a, with, a, with woodwind, it's a woodwind instrument. So if you put it together with a clarinet, it's a, it's a wind duo. It works fantastically well with woodwind instruments. We play concerts with the percussion department. There's concerts and the, the the academy the instrument at the academy is totally integrated into the the life and work of the academy
0: so they're playing with with string quartets and various various ensemble well that that's fantastic and I guess this is down to a lifetime's work from you that Britain a, a british music conservator is actually leading the way um with accordion wow. teaching
1: I so I hope so because i I think that I, I've experienced conservatories in in europe where the accordion is isolated, still within the conservatory, and that's never been the case at the Royal Academy. And from the beginning, my my aim was to have this part of everything that was going on in the building. I mean, this instrument can play continual parts. It can play Mozart's church sonatas, Dvořák's bagatelles, the the glass harmonica, Mozart. It can come with these pieces to the academy, and actually. Students of the academy, if there was no accordion there, they wouldn't be able to play a lot of repertoire by Gugger Dolina by Magnus Lindbergh and other great composers if there was no accordion there. So it's bringing something to the
0: institution. Well, I can search certainly vouch for its versatility and also the versatility of your students one of the last concerts i went to before uh, this dreadful lockdown was the marriage of figaro given in a primary school and the whole opera was accompanied by one of your students um, milosh uh, no. playing yeah and it was fantastic and it brought colors and a sort of coherence to the whole thing that i don't think you could have done with a piano no
1: No, and it's it's a portable, it's a portable instrument. You could go anywhere with it.
0: I I mean, it's wonderful listening to your enthusiasm for it. And I think a lot of people might now be thinking about, gosh, is this an instrument I I could learn? I mean, how, because we've discussed, you know, your training in Denmark, we've discussed the accordion in Russia. um, And we've also discussed its sort of slightly strange position in terms of popular culture in the UK. But how could someone in the UK that was interested go about finding an instrument and also having lessons on it?
1: A lot of graduates from the academy, from my class, are actually living in London now. But the problem in England is that people are still teaching the standard bass piano accordion, and they they don't teach the free bass accordion because they can't play it. So it's it's different in Scandinavia. Children all begin with small free bass accordions with no prefix chords, only single notes. play polyphonic music from the beginning, Anna Magdalena Bach's little notebook through, Tchaikovsky's album for the young, lots and lots of very, very, the same as a pianist or an organist would, and, and they are able to have an, an education in music to, to play works by great masters. Accordionists playing piano, standard bass accordion, have to play often really boring repertoire and um pa in the left hand and some melody in the right hand, and often give up. So it's not the direction.
0: Why is a country like Scandinavia embrace the classical accordion for young people in the way that it's not happened in the UK, do you think? I think it's, it's, uh,
1: it's since the Royal Academy started in 1970 here, yeah, and we started in 1986 in England, uh, also the work of Eligard. Elegard's work was phenomenal. I mean, he was, he was a, such, such an energy. I mean, if I had a lesson at nine, I would go in there at seven to practice. And he was already in his room practicing. And he was living in Sweden at that point. So God knows what time he got up. Uh, and also, I think it. Once I was in a music shop in Poland in the 70s, and I was very naive. And we were we at that point I, many things. And he, he, we went into a music shop. Uh, he said, "We're going to buy some music." I thought he was going to buy accordion music. No, he didn't. He came out with pocket scores of symphonies. He, he didn't buy any accordion. And and I was I was shocked. I remember I was shocked. He was a musician first and an accordionist afterwards. The other thing is that in Denmark, all teaching is in through uh, uh, music schools in each uh, commune, commune music schools. And the people teaching in those schools are all have an academy education. There's no private teaching going on.
0: Okay that's very different to the UK yeah these teachers are all coming through the Royal Academy and play the classical accordion well th- this is a really interesting thing because obviously the the future of everything is is in the hands of the, of the youngest really in our society how did you begin to learn the accordion yourself did you learn as a as a child strange i had
1: a very strange childhood where i had I was, uh, my parents left when I was three years old and I lived on a farm with a plowman. And, uh, uh, I didn't see my, my father. I have only met him once many, many years later and that was a bad idea. It lasted 10 minutes. But uh, anyway, I, uh, I I grew up on this farm with a plowman who didn't send me to school. So, so really, when I was 12, I went to, together to, to live with my mother. I remember it was a, uh, not a very nice house we had, but it was, I was together with her, which was great. But at that time, I was illiterate. I couldn't read or write. So I'd never been to school.
0: My goodness.
1: And my mother was an accordionist, and she um, she was traveling a lot and playing. But at that point, she started teaching in Edinburgh, and that's why we, I was able to to be together with her. And that's when I I started to get interested in the accordion. So I started very late, and it was a piano standard bass accordion that I I, I started on. It was when I went to Eligard that I changed. In 1974, when I went to Eligard, I, I changed to, to button-free bass accordion. And actually, interesting that when you start on the standard bass accordion, you don't have the same coordination between hands. You're not playing polyphonic music. You're playing homophonic music. You can't. So to change and suddenly play melodies in both hands was, was very difficult. And I think when you start in that way, you never really get as confident as a child beginning to play polyphonic music. From the beginning, five, six, seven years old, never have the same confidence. What happened to that instrument that you learned on as a child? Do you still have it? Uh, no, no, this piano accordion. It was. Uh, I don't know where it is now, but I don't have it anymore. My mother died some years ago, and so so. Uh, but I remember. I remember uh, with Ellegard one one situation where Ellegard wasn't wasn't a, a great fan of the piano accordion. But when I, he kept saying, oh, yes, of course you have, we have to change this. We have to change this. And I said, this is absurd because we're changing something written for accordion because I I can't play it. And uh, give me a button accordion. I put down the piano accordion and said, please, can you give me a button accordion? And he looked at me and he gave me one small instrument for children and said, there you are, and put it on my lap. And I said, show me where is C. And I then thought, this is totally absurd. I'm sitting with this great maestro, and I'm, I'm just asking him, where is the see? <laughs> then he was, he was very kind. He said, it's there. And so, so I that I, in nine months later, I played the, the best concert I, I'd ever played, uh, and les Anges, Jesus la souffrance. Italian concerto Bach. I played this in a concert and I played better on button accordion. I played, the articulation was clearer, everything was better. But obviously, I worked very hard in those nine months. But i never forget Eligard's patience and kindness when he said, Yes, C is there.
0: <laughs> and, and from finding where C is, it's led you to being a professor of the leading um, classical accordion program, probably in the world. Could, could you tell us a bit about the program you? lead at the Royal Academy of Music. What sort of course is it and who comes to study? And I'm asking particularly who comes to study because I know from my own board roles at a couple of universities that the most important thing about a professor is their ability to attract students. How does it work with the accordion?
1: Well I'm very fortunate the Academy is attracting the best, some of the best young accordionists in the world. I think because of this integration and the, the fact they can play a lot of chamber music. Students, we've played uh, Kurtag when he was 80. He invited the students to go and play, play for him in Budapest. So I went with three students to Budapest to play in his birthday party. We have played we played recently with Ashkenazi in the Festival Hall, uh, Prokofiev, the cantata for the October Revolution, which has five accordions in it. We sat there just just in front of Ashkenazi. The students are going out and playing, and playing in the Royal Festival Hall, the Barbican, the Wigmore Hall. It's exciting for young students to have this opportunity, and it's in London.
0: Yeah, and, and given what you've said about, um, I suppose, that the relative scarcity of, of tuition for children with the classical accordion in the UK, am I guessing that most of your students are not from the UK?
1: No, I have a, one at the moment. And the, 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 problem, the problem is that in the UK, it's, uh, teachers not able to get students up to the level required to come in
0: and I'm guessing the level is formidable. Can you give us an idea of how good you would need to be to get a place to study with you at the Royal Academy? Well, when you think when you think people are coming into the Junior Academy, the way above grade
1: 8, you know, uh, to get into the Junior Academy is uh, is also very difficult. I think uh, it's a problem I have been unable to solve how to how to raise Levels in in the UK. I mean, I obviously the students who are graduated and now are living in the UK in time will raise the level because they are performing. They have an academy training, uh, and they are teaching. But most of them just want to perform, and actually all of them have very good performing careers, and they don't have to teach. And I wish they would teach because that's the way that I can start to raise the level. The Many of the entrenched teachers in England have never ever been to a master class or a concert at the Royal Academy of Music. And I find that unbelievable that they, they don't feel this responsibility to develop, to learn. Uh, students who've gone out, I mean, just I, I wrote down some, some names. You think uh, Martinus Levitschka's Decker, his first, uh, that's fairly recently, his Decker album went to the top of the U.K. classical music charts, right rocketed to the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has an international career. Senia Sidorova was, is with Deutsche Grammophon, a really international career, highest level. Josef Puritz, is brilliant Russian accordionist. Zagoransky, Miloš, of course, uh, Inigo, uh, many of them, uh, Bartosz, Glowacki, they're all living in England and playing concerts. And I wish they would go out and teach some students as well.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> is, is this um, dreadful pandemic an opportunity? Because presumably they're not going to be doing that much performing for the next few months. No, no. And, and uh
1: that might be something I could encourage them to do in in, in this period.
0: It's a sort of financial wake up call that I think a lot of freelance music musical performers are having to face at the moment, really, to evaluate how they're really going to make a living in the coming months.
1: Very difficult with Brexit. Very difficult, oh. with, yeah, with, with with these things. I mean, how it's going to affect how it's going to affect the uh, Erasmus program. How it's going to affect musicians working abroad. Uh, fees, all of this uncertainty at the moment, I find uh, there's a lot of question marks.
0: Well, I'd really love to talk to you about Brexit, but I fear that would take up um, a whole other podcast, Uh, so we'd better move on. And I think you you mentioned um, in one of our previous discussions, you've got some very exciting recording projects um, in the pipeline with James Macmillan for some concertos. Well, well the, it started It started with with, uh, with, uh,
1: with Peter Maxwell Davis and I, we walked, I uh, had a walk in, in Regent's Park and Max uh, said, look I'll, I'll help you to to this identity of the instrument, it's important, I'll write a concerto for you. And I was of course delighted, I imagine in Regent's Park on a beautiful day and Maxwell Davis saying I'll write a concerto for you, obviously it wasn't very happy. But uh, he died unfortunately just before he began and, and it was the next piece on his list and we The Scottish Chamber Orchestra decided, we talked and we decided to to carry on the project and gave it to Jonathan Dove, who then uh, I premiered his piece, Northern Lights, dedicated to Marx uh, in May last year. And it was a wonderful occasion in the Queen's Hall with the Scottish Chamber Orchestra and this piece dedicated to Marx. Um, It's a wonderful, wonderful occasion. Uh, And this is one of the pieces I'm going to record. And also uh, an accordion concerto by Gordon Jacob. We wrote oh, yes. 19, very familiar 1972. Um, the manuscript is lost, but I managed to find a, a copy and got it written up on Sibelius, and it's a very nice piece. And finally, an accordion concerto by Edward Maguire that I, I premiered in 1999 in Huddersfield Festival. Uh, so those three concertos I'm going to record with the BBC Concert Orchestra, and it will come out on a CD from Takata Next label, and the conductor will be James MacMillan, and I'm very happy for that.
0: Well, what a lovely person to work with. Um, James McMillan's been a huge friend of the music program here in the Diocese of Leeds over many years. And wh- when are you hoping to have this CD out, or is that an impossible question at the moment? Well, it,
1: it, this recording should have taken place in May but, uh, this, the, the last month, but it didn't, obviously. So we are going to reschedule it possibly the end of October sometime.
0: Well, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you. And, and finally, we, we've got one of your students playing for us, Samantha Zhang, and that's on yes. Monday at 1.15. Could you tell us a bit about her program and what we might be able to look forward to hearing, please? An
1: exciting program: Mozart's Adagio and Rondo for glass harmonica, a flute, oboe, viola, cello, and accordion. Obviously not on glass harmonica, but on accordion. The glass harmonica drove people crazy. I, 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 the accordion, I don't think, will drive the audience crazy. Um, wow. But uh, <laughs> induced madness. I read once about the glass harmonica. Actually, the accordion is the perfect instrument to to play this work. So that's that's exciting. Solotariev, a Russian accordionist, Sonata Number Two. And then Astor Piazzola's Ligrand Tango, which is a, a great popular. Uh, Nikolai Maciusiak, Poland, uh, a piece with cello, Rhythms of Doubt, very exciting rhythmically, very, very exciting, pulsating piece. Uh, Mussorgsky's Children's Scherzo. And then Martin Loser, uh, a young Danish accordionist, mar- composer, Martin Loser is writing a lot for accordion and this instrument, this repertoire is very, very interesting. It's called Passing and so it's a, it's a mixture of, of composers and I think together it should make
0: a very, very interesting programme. We're looking forward to it enormously and, and we've already had quite a bit of correspondence from our regular listeners um, asking what to expect. So thanks so much for that run through. And I think that's actually a really good point to end on. So. Could I please thank Professor Owen for opening up the world of the classical accordion to so many of us and introducing some really interesting repertoire to a wider audience. Don't forget that you can catch Owen's student, Samantha Zhang, on lyofflive.org.uk on Monday at 1.15. And next Friday, I'll be handing back to your regular podcast presenter, David Pipe, for a brand new Pipe Up Organ podcast. Can I wish all our listeners a very happy week and I look forward to tuning in again with you soon. Goodbye and take care.